This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Got to get him off here if they can. The puck is still in their own zone. Ekman Larson can't clear. Comes in front for Alex Tuck. He scores. KF. Right wing half boards. Goes back to the line for Jack Rathbone. Rathbone, right point. Down to the near circle. KF. Plays side the goal for Pearson. Backhand pass for for Garland. He scores. With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. Here's Manko, the Buffalo line on right wing, delays, drops the puck, pulls in far circle, he lost the puck, and here's Casey Middlestad away to center. Chance for a two-on-one. Middlestad in front to Olofsson, one-timer, he scores! On the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Forced on home ice to open up the season 5-1, and this is the Canuck Central postgame show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Seth Yarshaw with Vic Nazar going to bring in David Jones into the discussion coming up in a minute. Phone boards are open, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Also get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Call in. Get your thoughts in. Uh, You can say whatever you want tonight after this performance from the Canucks. I mean, we we talk about a home opener being something that offers hope. It's supposed to be fun, light, exciting. Fans have been waiting for months to show up to the ring. People travel from Prince Rupert. I met with a couple of fans before the game. Uh, Rob and his son Brock came from Prince Rupert. Super excited to be here, right? You have fans that have traveled from other places from the province. People save money. They, They... they, they mark this day in their calendars. They show up, and this is the, the lightest day of the year. You have 41 home games. The one game you know everybody's happy. No matter what happens, they leave the ice, leave the rink feeling good. Instead, it turns out to be an embarrassment in one of the worst nights we can imagine for a season opener. Fans are booing midway through the game. They're booing the sing-along. I mean, even before Sweet Caroline gets rolling, they're booing the sing-along. Three jerseys on the ice. I mean, David, I know you're a former player, and honestly, I feel for you, man. I mean, you have a couple of games you're calling, you're trying to get into the groove of things, and you come into the, the, the right in the middle of the fire with what's happening here. I mean, it's – I can't imagine what it's like being a player, but could you imagine playing in a night like this and your home fans react this way in a home opener? Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit speechless, to be honest. I don't really know what to think. I've been in that situation – I mean, not this bad, but – it's tough to really grasp anything yeah. positive from a night like this. I think, you know, I gave this team the benefit of the doubt for the first five games, but that, the effort tonight, you know, even to lose a game is one thing, but you have a guy come down and shoot from your slot at the buzzer there for their sixth goal. Yeah. I think you got to lay the lumber. you got to do something. In that third period, there's no pushback. You know, I hoped someone would step up and try and grab a guy. I know it's got to be a two-way street. A Buffalo guy's got to want to fight. I don't know if it's a fight, a hit, but... It's a, it's a little unfortunate, and, um, you know, seeing fans throw the jerseys, that's uh, that's real tough to, to swallow. Yeah. It, it just looks emotionless, and, and you kind of mentioned there that, that last moment there. Like, the, the big spark was that at the end of the second admission, like, Shan and Miller have this exchange, and but by and large, it just looks emotionless. And, yeah, fans come here tonight, and you hope for two points. I, I, I said off the top in the pregame show, it's just, you got to show the fans something, and when the, the emotion isn't really there, like, that's when I start to wonder just, like, what exactly – is happening to, to motivate these guys internally. Yeah, and I think it comes from their top players. I don't think they've, you know, not collectively as a whole, they haven't haven't done enough to compete this year. And I think I've been on some bad teams, trust me, but what happens is this team needs to get together, away from the rink at some point, go to a dinner, get get down, sit down together and, re- and hash this all out because what happens, human nature, you get along in your little cliques, you get on the bus, you go to dinner individually and you start pointing fingers 
And uh, I had Adam Foote as a captain one time, and he drew it up exactly like that. He's like, good teams, they'll get together, they'll hash this out. It's the only way forward uh, at this point. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of positives to draw off it, but uh, it's a long season. And uh, thankfully, you have the St. Louis Blues to show you that you can have a bad start and still finish in a good spot. Yeah, and it's, it's about trying to get something to go your way. And, you know, the, the frustrating part, especially for the first 40 minutes of this game, was the Canucks at even strength had a strong game. Or actually, I should rephrase that. The Pedersen line had an incredible game. I mean, they were the best game, the best line in this game. The, the thing was they had nothing to show for it. And even in a lot of their opportunities, Mikhaev had a lot of them, Garland had a few, and he scored the goal. But I guess when you don't have confidence, and, and it's easy to say you're gripping your stick, but was it a lot of that? Because considering... Craig Anderson was kicking out rebounds. The chances were there for the taking, but right now it doesn't seem like they can capitalize on anything. Yeah, it's it's tough to point to anything in particular. I agree with yeah. you. I thought that Pedersen line looked awesome. Uh, tremendous amount of skill on that line. They're gonna hopefully they keep them together. There was uh, they had a couple perfect looks, you know, and another night those go in, and that's it's tough to say. Oh, ho hum. Another night they go in, and just they haven't been enough of that this season, and. Uh, it's only going to get harder to win. You know, it's already hard enough to win in this in this league, and uh, it's going to be tough <laughs> to get that first one. Yeah. What's the okay? So when when we're talking about like guys are just gripping it right now, and they're so tough. What is the bare minimum of a spark? Because because that's what you know we talk about. Get a win. Right now, getting a win feels astronomical. Like, what is the thing that you talk about that will just lighten the mood? Is it something off the ice, as you mentioned, just getting together, a dinner, whatever? Is it something on the ice that just provides something that just kind of relaxes everyone? Yeah, I don't know what they've done to this point. I don't know if Bruce is the type of guy that goes in there and starts breaking sticks and throwing things around. I'm sure they've had that already. I'm sure they've had their yeah. star players, you know, yelling at each other, yelling at people. But... You know, it's almost like you got to build it all from the ground up again. You know, you've you've kind of, I hate to say it, but you've destroyed that momentum they had last season yeah. in, in six games. So you got to start over again. It's like it's about getting the team together. It's the only way you can do it. You know, I think individually it doesn't work. In the third period, we're trying to stretch it out. There's no support on the puck, so guys are entering the zone. They're trying to kind of do it all yeah. themselves. They're working hard. You know, they're yeah. all working hard, but it's just it's not a recipe for winning hockey. And Buffalo's a good team, and they just – smothered them up and you have a two-goal lead you know most teams can finish that out <laughs> well, well they, they can but unfortunately the Canucks haven't but I mean y you mentioned how easily it is how easy it looks for Buffalo to move the puck I guess it's confidence having better players perhaps especially in the back end but I mean everything for them was quick right up the ice you know pucks right on sticks and it was easy for them to gain transition. And once they were in the offensive zone, easy for them to cycle around. And it just seems like the Canucks are constantly chasing. And they're working hard, but they're constantly a step behind. And, and it seems like too often to find themselves on the wrong side of the puck too in critical moments. Yeah, I agree with you. There's just there's not a lot of continuity, guys. I don't know I don't know if they're all gripping their sticks. I think, you know, you see Pedersen. There's guys yeah. still making plays yeah. out there. So I think that's a positive sign because that's the last thing you want is your star players to really tighten up. But... They're just, uh, yeah, it's just not a lot working positively right now. And, yeah, like you said, you see a, a good team. Canucks had their chances. And, I mean, yeah. Buffalo, it's just like same thing, game in and game out. They just get one little chance and they bury it. And that's, you know, that's the end of the game. A final thing before we let you go. Uh, the, the cameras caught Luke Shen and JT Miller going at it a bit late after, after the second period was ending. Miller had that turnover late. The scrum ensues. And, who knows what they said, but you can see Shen kind of pointing to where Miller was at, where he had the turnover, and they have a, you know some words, nothing too crazy, but enough. Is that good to see, though, to hold guys accountable, even if you don't want to do it on the ice? But do you need to have that accountability in the room? Yeah, I think – I mean, I think you like to see that in the room or on the bench maybe, but, uh, yeah, I, I missed it from up here. But, uh, 
I, I think there's lots of that going on. I think there's lots of that happening in the room. And I think, you know, I think Miller's a great player. I think he's had a rough start. Obviously, people are getting on him, but I think he's owning it. I think he knows that he's got to be better. And I think it, it's not only him. I think there's a bunch of guys up front that uh, can bring more to it. Um, you know, they're getting their points here and there, but power play, penalty kill, other areas of the ice, they got to do more. Yeah, they absolutely have to. Uh, David, fantastic work here on, on the evening. You alongside Brenda Batchelor. And, hey, listen, uh, hopefully there will be a Canucks victory here soon. And you get to see what it's like to be in this rink when, when the fans are happy for a game, you know? That yeah, might, well, might be a nice change. I've seen enough losses. <laughs> I got to, you know, I want to see some wins. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we see that soon. That's David Jones who had the call alongside Brendan Batchelor tonight. Canucks lose 5-1 on home ice against the Buffalo Sabres. And it was as bad of a home opener as you could have possibly imagined, Bick. I mean, you talk about jerseys on the ice, Boo Birds out there in, in a big, big way. And, I mean... I look at the text inbox, 650-650. We're going to go to the phone phone boards coming up in a few minutes as well, and we'll get all your thoughts coming up. But I, I can't imagine a more embarrassing way to start a season on home ice. Listen, I, I haven't done the math. I haven't gone through every single Canucks home opener. The, there's been, you know, uh, 50, over 50 of them. You know, we, there's been a lot of them. This probably ranks amongst the worst you can imagine. And hey, and it's not even that the performance was that bad. Yeah, they wilted in the third and completely fell apart and disintegrated. But the fans were on edge all along. And the fans made it for a toxic environment tonight here at Rogers Arena. Tom from Van City texted in and said, it wasn't fun being at the game here tonight. I mean, it, it didn't cost a lot to get here. Uh, it, was an ex it was expensive. I've been here for 17 years. I never left the game early. I left early tonight because I couldn't stand being in here anymore. I want to see big changes. This is, this is not acceptable for me anymore. You could, you could really sense that in the building tonight. There was no real anticipation or excitement. Well, and I mean, and listen, this, yeah, and this is not even about like media making a big deal out of it. I'm leaning into what the fans showed at the, in the building tonight. These are the paying customers in the building here tonight. And, and this is the thing I talked about pregame. Give them something to rally behind, whatever it is. And there was an initial pop to start. The Pedersen line looked good early. We talked about that shift where they generated three, four chances. And you can see, okay, that's a thing to rally behind. And then suddenly a penalty, suddenly a goal. And it's it's like someone just poked a pin in a balloon. And it just yeah. it all just went out. And, like, you saw the reactions from some of the players in that moment, just the long heads and Pedersen's slumped shoulders looking to the sky like, oh, no, here we go again. And there's just that mentality of – one bad thing happened, and we're just never going to recover from it. And we're talking about something that happened five minutes into the game. There's yeah. still 55 minutes to go for you to recover. Show some resiliency. Have some backbone. Have some courage to get over a disappointing start. And you can just feel the anxiety from the crowd. Yeah. And to be fair, like the crowd held out as long as possible. I, I'll give them credit. Like They held it as long as possible because I think you could hear... Sense this content was there, yeah. And then Garland scores that goal, and it's like, okay, we got a thing. But... That third period effort, when when you're playing hapless hockey, it's going to turn ugly. Yeah, and I mean, you know, people are in the text inbox is full. I mean, look at the amount of texts that are coming in here, 650-650. Miller sucks. I hate him. He's terrible. Screw him. Put Colson missing an empty net doesn't help the, the chances. Um, uh, this one here, I'm ready to do Buffalo uh, guy freaking out impressions. We saw that uh, a couple of years ago uh, as well. So, I mean, listen – We'll, we'll break the game down, and we'll try to bring – I mean, listen. We'll try to bring some levity to your evening. How about yeah, that? Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. But I, this I is a group therapy session today. You can't, uh, you can't overstate how bad this evening was. 
No. You know, from an organizational perspective, I'm not saying you have to go out and do make a trade or fire somebody or whatever, but you got to be listening to what the fans told you tonight. What they told you tonight is they don't believe in what you're doing. This is the first game of the season. Yeah, I was going to say, literally just what you said. This is the easiest, like this is the movie premiere. Yes. Where no one boos it. And this was like Geely on opening night. It's like, <laughs> boo. It's like, it got ugly. This is the day where it's like the easiest layup. And the belief in the direction of not just the season sad. Like, that was accumulated frustration tonight for a lot of fans who, look, we're walking around here in, in the gondola, and there just happens to be a 2015 playoff towel sitting here. I'm thinking, well, that's a relic right now. Man, oh, so that I'll, goes way back, and fans are waiting for another moment to update a towel like that. So I've been covering this team for, for about a decade now, and I was talking to Earth the other day, and we were in Calgary in 2015 covering the playoff series between the Canucks and the Flames. That's been the high point <laughs> of us covering this team. This was in 2015, seven years ago. Being, you know, in yeah. another city for a playoff matchup, a Canadian matchup, that was the high point seven years ago. Uh, 650, 650. I, look, I, I know we sometimes say this, that we can't even keep up uh, with the inbox. It's literally updating by the second, and it is all caps. It is angry. I'm actually stunned. Here for every post-game show, we appreciate that, Rick and Summerland. But I'm just, I'm dizzy. I can't believe what's happening. Stunned is the right word. Like, I I felt shook after the game. Uh, Not good vibes, especially during the player intro, skating onto the ice. Expressionless faces, faces that set the tone for the game. Hope this changes soon. That is Cam in Victoria texting in and... You know, Caesar and Richmond, worst leadership group I've seen in the Canucks history. I've been watching them since 1990, even through the Messier area. No emotion, no urgency, no care whatsoever. You can all say that they're gripping their sticks. They played well in the first. BS. They suck right now. Uh, and just continues on and on and yeah. on. Josh and Mission, this is worse than the Willie Desjardins year. Well, I mean, honestly, from a hockey perspective, it's not, but... People are, are just – they're just fed up. It's, it's did, clear they're fed up. That's what it is more than anything. Did people feel like they were getting their money's worth in the, the, that tail end of that year rather than tonight? Yeah. That was my thing. It's just like you got to give people their money's worth. Yeah. It's a big marquee moment. It's a business. you got to give them something. Man, you're going to make me break out the phrase again? Do it. Hockey's the sport. Hockey's the game. The business is winning. <laughs> there you go. And – Business isn't thriving. No, it's not. You got no way. I can't believe I said that six times already this year. But it's 0 for 6. What do you want me to say? All right, let's go to the phone board. 604-280-0650 or toll-free. 1-888-275-0650. Let's start in Coquitlam where Mark is on the line. Mark, thanks for calling in. Uh, What do you have for us tonight? Well, every year, these last few years, the same thing with the penalty killing. They just go into this box formation, just watch the players. I'm yelling at them. Go get him, go get him. Don't just stand and watch. These guys, regular penalty killing, they go and chase whoever's holding the puck. Instead, Vancouver, they go into this this defensive box to just watch them pass it around, pass it around, eventually score, and that takes the momentum out of the game. And it's really, I, I find myself booing the TV myself. Mm, yeah. I'm, I'm yelling boo as they're playing. <laughs> I mean, why don't they just chase who's ever holding on the penalty kill? Chase who's holding the puck. Yeah, I get you. Hey, Mark, thanks for the phone call. I mean, the PK, it's its a disaster. What else can you say about it? It's a disaster. It's an abject disaster. It's, what, clicking at 50%? 
you flip a coin. Yeah. That's essentially and, – and they're getting scored on like 15, 20, 30 seconds in. You don't even make these guys work. Like, I, I'm trying not to laugh. Like, we're here to be pro- here to be professional. But, like, some of the stuff just sounds made up. It's like, it's like, they're scoring 15 seconds in. What? How? No, they're How? setting records for futility. They're allowing goals within seconds of the PK. And they won the faceoff tonight. They won the, the PK faceoff, and they couldn't get the clear. No. And, like, just even think about that. They win the faceoff, swing it around, and before you know it, it's in the back of the net. Oh, man. It, it, right away it was over. All right, let's get one more call in, and then uh, we'll get to more of your reaction on the other side. And well, Should we play player audio? Mills was messaging us on Twitter and says, I don't want to hear from any players tonight. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are saying Let that. us know. You want, if you don't want player audio, we won't you know play what? it. Tonight, no players. No, tonight is, is the fans <laughs> and listeners show. Yes, you say whatever you, you want. You can text yeah. in. Direct the show for us. I know executive producer Cam Bear is here, but uh, he, he's given us the thumbs up to play player audio. But uh, I, I say it's up to the fans. Do you want to hear from the players tonight? Yes or no. Let us know. We'll, we'll count them. We'll get Cam to count the text messages. There'll be a lot of them, but he'll have a tally by the end of it. All right, uh, let's go back to the phone board. We'll go to Esme in Victoria. Esme, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Hi, hey. guys. Um, hey, how's it going? I'm probably not going to be popular talking, but I think are we fans or fanatics? I know it wasn't a good game. They've lost like six in a row, but seriously – if you look at it, we've changed the uh, coaches. We've changed people on the bench. The one thing we haven't changed, the ownership. Something is going wrong in the in the locker room. Like, there's no gelling of the team. We've got all these big, um, you know, we've paid them big money to have their, to play. But I just feel like something's not right. And as a fan, we should just be supporting, not being negative to the players. They're going to go into that room today. They've just lost six, the worst in NHL history. And can you imagine how they feel? Obviously, there wasn't anybody who could get them going in that room. And Bruce, he came in last year. It was, uh, it was just sheer luck that they did well mm-hmm. because they were being led and they just weren't gelling. Yeah. So, so basically, you want you want more support from the uh, from the fans right now. Yeah, I live in Victoria. I wish I could be there and see my team lose. Honestly, <laughs> I'm just yeah. a pure fan who, win or lose, I've had a kid that played hockey. I wouldn't go and boo my son if their team lost. I just I feel like. Yeah, man, I, I get what you're saying. Of- yeah, Esme, thanks for the phone call. We, we get the gist of what you're trying to say, and you know, obviously he doesn't want to see jerseys on the ice and stuff like that as well. And, hey, you can have an opinion on the reaction, whether you like that stuff yeah. or not. But what I'm stunned at, Vic, I'm not stunned the fans are dissatisfied. I'm stunned at the degree of dissatisfaction at the arena. And we are going to get to what uh, Jim Rutherford had to say. He's on After Hours. We're going to play that audio coming up for you uh, as well. Listen, uh, we'll play the Rutherford audio for you. You're still, we're still deciding whether we're going to play the player audio because we're getting live votes coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Keep your text coming in and your thoughts. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. You're toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. It is Satyar Shah with Bick Nazar here on the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. 
Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Here's Manko. The Buffalo line on right wing. Delays. Drops to Pod Coles in far circle. He lost the puck. And here's Casey Middlestad away to center. Chance for a two-on-one. Middlestad in front to Olafson. One-timer. He scores! Canucks lose in embarrassing fashion during their home opener. 5-1 against the Buffalo Sabres. And, well, one of the nastiest, darkest home openers you can imagine in Canucks history. And, and that's not overstating things. It really isn't. When four jerseys make it onto the ice and fans are booing the sing-along, the, the sing-along. The we, booing's like... We, we said during the road trip that no one was without blame here. Yeah. And we took a call earlier... Someone talking about Francesco Accolini and the ownership group. So during the road trip, no one was without blame. And we got that sentiment as well about the ownership group, the executive team, the, the coaches, the players, everyone during the road trip. So there wasn't a, lo- a lot of stones left to be unturned. Well, tonight we got a home experience, and Sweet Caroline was booed. Everything right now is under judgment, and it's coming in. Into the inbox right now. It's like they booed Sweet Caroline. I know. And listen, I, I get it. Some people making the joke, hey, I would boo that song too. It's a it's a fun, happy moment. It's the moment where everyone's like, you know what? Hey, like we're going to end the night. We've had a few drinks. Let, let's sing and go home. We're talking about the easiest layup yes. of Neil Diamond's <laughs> bop, bop, bop. And they went boo, boo, boo. It, it literally. No, fans literally you, went boo, boo, boo. That was a sing along. Have you ever been at a wedding, a party, and the whole crowd doesn't go bop, bop, bop? And tonight, go boo, boo, boo. Tonight they went after Neil Diamond, Sweet Caroline, and the game ops. That's what's happening right now. Like, it was a bizarre, out-of-body experience to be here tonight. And we're trying to be as fair as possible about what happened tonight, but I can't sit here and say that they didn't boo Sweet Caroline. <laughs> you, you say, like, out-of-body like, out body experience. I, I literally had a sick feeling after the game ended. Like, it's a bad environment in the rink. Like, Tom, like, I, I want to reference Tom's text again. He said it was a toxic environment in the rink. It was a toxic environment for the first game of the season. Like, the disgust in the building before the game was over. I've never felt that in this rink. Even last year during the fire bending stuff, right, and, you know, chance, you felt that coming, and it was like, hey, maybe justified eight years of discontent, and it was a long time coming. Tonight was, was just dark, like, it, it, it was sad and dark. It was hopeless. And that's your home opener? I can't believe it. Uh, tons of texts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Oh, man, we'll try to get as many as we can on. Uh, Jim Rutherford, as we mentioned, did meet with the media, uh, did meet with Hockey Night, and we got all the questions about the Canucks. And, and, well, apparently he didn't mince words about what's happening and what might be coming for the roster. So we'll play some of that coming up for you. But, I mean, Tone Capone was texting in earlier saying, Buffalo's goalie is 41 years old. Lose and win as a team. But what happened to Demko this year as well? We haven't talked about Demko. And, hey, maybe you can't fault him in the first couple of goals. And, hey, the team melted down in the third. But they're not getting saves either. Not when they need them. Yeah. Uh, I... I... I'm hard-pressed to pin it on Thatcher Demko, especially after we've seen um, great efforts from him going to last year. And, look, I know I'm talking about last year. But when the effort in front of him is uh, putrid, and it, it just looks like that trust between goaltender and defense, team defense, is completely broken. I, I, I'm not sure what Thatcher Demko is supposed to do when Oliver Ekman-Larsen puts it off a body and Alex Tuck suddenly 
bearing down upon you in an instant. Quarter of a second changeover there from on OEL stick to now mm -hmm. Alex Tuck, who can really rip it, is bearing down on you. It, 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 and, 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 like, Thatcher Demko made a nice save in the second period. Cross yep. center lane pass, and he's got to extend for it, make the save. You need to saves to keep you in the game. Thatcher Demko made a couple of big ones. And, I, and look, I get it. The the PK one, bouncing one, maybe save that. It, it, it's tough, though. And we, we keep talking, like, the environment can't be perfect for you to win. No, exactly. The other team's trying to win. They're trying to create obstacles for you. And it's your duty to overcome. And time and time and time again, when this team gets pushed, even a little bit, they don't push back. And I don't just mean, like, oh, go fight something. They don't raise their level. The, the put Coles in moment, trying to go after Darlene, like, that was encouraging as far as fight back. If, if that's the spark you needed. But you mentioned it before, like, the other three lines, what did they generate? Yeah. Offensively. Not much. It was just the Pedersen line. That was it tonight as far as what the Canucks uh, generated. We're going to play the audio from uh, audio from Rutherford coming up in a second. As far as player audio is concerned, so far, overwhelmingly, it's a no from people texting in. If you want to change that, text in yes if you want to play or hear player audio. People are sick of hearing from the players on the postgame show here, especially with the Canucks starting 0-6 on the season and a tough loss, 5-1 on home ice against the Buffalo Sabres. Let's go to the phone board, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 650. Uh, let's go to Stuart in North Van, who's on the line. Stuart, thanks for calling in, man. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Uh, gentlemen, thanks for taking my call. As always, um, first time I've called in this year, and um, you know, I, I wasn't sure if I would call in tonight, but I thought, you know what? This is kind of that fork in the road, that proverbial precipice before it either gets better or it gets even darker than it is right now, and First, I'd like to say, don't want to hear from the players. I'm in that majority, so I would love to just hear the fans' reaction. I think that's what we need right now for this, this team and this, uh, this province. But I, I just kind of want to talk about the entire sort of dynamic of the team, maybe just even off the ice, because we're 0-6. We haven't won a game. We were up 3-1 against Edmonton. We lost. We went 1-8 for eight on the power play, and we lost. You think about all the goodwill that happened after the Bruce bump, the nine wins in a row, Bruce, there it is, almost making the playoffs, Miller having a crazy season, all that goodwill, it's gone. I mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Like, it's literally gone in the span of 360 minutes of ice time. And, you know, while I, I won't do it myself for all jersey ice on that, I will defend to the death people's right to do it because you, you, you guys said it a few minutes ago, this is putrid. Like, this is embarrassing. I will not spend a dollar like, I, straight up, I watch hockey games on internet sites that may or may not be legal because I'm not paying to watch this team. I'll listen to you guys on the radio. I love it. But I am not giving this team a cent. And I don't know if it starts that other caller, uh, Esme from the island, I think. She said that, you know, it starts at the top with Aquilini and the ownership. I mean, yeah, that's kind of the constant that's been with the team this whole time. Statistically, this team's roster is too good to be this bad. And people yeah. give Miller crap and say, oh, this, that. At least he's showing the damn. Like, at least he's doing something. There's a lot of guys who are kind of just showing up. And, I mean, you know, the, the kids who do the Tim Bits hockey at intermission, it looks like they could score a couple of goals and win a couple of games. But I'm out. You can tell I'm frustrated, but I'll let other people get on the line. Thanks, boys. 
Hey, Stuart, thanks for the phone call, man, letting it all out. And we'll give you a chance to do that as well back on the phone boards, and we'll read some text messages. Bick, get a couple texts in before we get to the uh, audio here from Jim Rutherford. Uh, this one here says maybe they should be playing the post-game show in the dressing room. Maybe that'll get the guys going. <laughs> We'd love that. Can they call in? Uh, this one, one positive. They didn't lose a lead. Uh, this one, uh, long-time listener, first-time texter. Well, welcome to the show. Always appreciate. Uh, <laughs> Marcus and Gibson's, I'm a sucker. I paid for tonight. Uh, yeah, it keeps coming in. Uh, 650-650. Yeah, Sean uh, and Langley was at the game tonight, and after 2 nothing, you could just feel the emotion in the building. And the emotion in the building was waiting to explode and not in a positive way. That is Sean and Langley. Yeah, that was, it was a bad vibe. It was a bad vibe in the building. And those things are always noticed by the organization and especially the owner, I'm sure. But the man making the decisions at the top of the organization is Jim Rutherford, the president of the Vancouver Canucks. And he was just on Hockey Night in Canada on After Hours with Scott Oak. And, well, he's first asked about his concerns after seeing this horrible defeat on home ice. What are your concerns? <laughs> We don't uh, we don't have time to list them all. We've uh, we didn't have a very good camp, and uh, it's carried over into the season. We've uh, we are, have a lot of bad habits, and I I thought the last two road games we were starting to cut down on those, and starting to trend in the right way. But when you're losing, you you find ways to lose, and uh, and that's what we're doing. Jim, your history as an NHL executive is that you're not afraid to act. In your seven years as general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins, I think you averaged almost a trade a month. So when your team starts the way the Canucks have this one, does the front office start at least seriously considering possibilities, or do you try to stay the course? No, I mean, whether you're winning or losing, you're always looking to... to make your team better and if something comes our way that we feel is going to make the team better we're going to do it we're being cautious in in how we go about that i i said this when i first came here that when we make changes we'll try to keep those changes of guys maybe you know 26 25 years and younger so at some point you know at that time i said within a two-year period bring ever bring it all together and and uh, you'll see a much improved team but, uh, you know, it's, I'm the same as the fans and everybody. It's, it's, it's getting frustrating. It's hard to watch. And uh, we'll, have to, uh, we'll just have to be careful as to what our decisions are. I don't think we can make panic decisions at this point in time. Well, let's bring a fan in now. This is Jay in Coston, and uh, this is his question. You uh, stated when you took over the reins that some big decisions were coming up. Management committed a large sum of money on extending and signing a few key forwards. So now is not the time to panic, but at what point, he asks, does the team need to address the defense? <laughs> well, we've, we've tried to address the defense. We tried to address it in the summertime. And I, in, in fairness to our defense, we've, we've had uh, injuries there. We haven't played with our full defense. And hard-pressed without Quinn Hughes tonight. Obviously. But at the same time, you know, we, we know we have to improve it. But when we talk about defense that's going on right now, it's not just the guys that play defense. It's a team defense. And uh, those guys aren't getting enough support. And so we're going to address it uh, when the right situation comes along. I know that there were some defensemen moved this summer, but 
you it's not that easy you know we don't play fantasy hockey we've got a cap to deal with we've got contracts that maybe we'd like to move that we can't move your hands kind of get tied a little bit but we're well aware that uh, that's an area that we need to improve one more question before john gets in here um about bruce Boudreaux took over the team last december he coached it to a 32 15 and 10 record which was the second best winning percentage in the pacific uh, it would have seemed uh, obvious for him to get an extension, but he was not yours or Patrick Elvin's hire. What does he have to do to win you guys over to get an extension? Well, first of all, I, I think it's uh, it's laid out a little bit the wrong way. He, he came here, um, and it was my understanding that he was going to get a contract for just last year. He got a contract really for two years. And and so he's he's still got his contract. It, it wasn't about that we extended him one year. It was that we just lived by the contract he had. And uh, I, you know, as I look at it now, it was the right thing to do. He's he's got to work through this with his team. And uh, at the appropriate time, we'll talk to him to about what his future is. Got it, John. Well, Jim, you know, it makes our job a lot tougher. Shorty and I are doing the game. But you talked about the training camp, and it was a tough training camp. Mikheyev played, what, one shift in training camp and then got hurt? Yeah. And he came back, and obviously he's not in great game shape yet. Tyler Myers went out, and now Quinn's out. So, uh, especially on defense, Quinn plays 27, 28 minutes a game. And then, uh, you know, you talk about how you replace it. And as much as I like Kyle Burroughs, and I really like Kyle Burroughs, he had the most ice time of any of the defensemen in tonight's game. And you're, and you're trailing, and you're trying to – and Jack Rathbone was good, but Jack's playing his first game. It's yeah. tough. It's tough to get it going. I agree with all those things. But when you have injuries, you got to have the next man up, and you have to be ready to go. And I believe if our team has a real strong structure, you can play through those things. And when you start talking about injuries, you know, you're, you're just admitting you're, you're admitting you're a losing team. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like using that as an excuse. We all have to be better. And uh, we have to use the players we got. And we have to play within a stronger structure uh, to make that game easier for all our players. That is Canucks general manager, no, Canucks president, Jim Rutherford. After a, an embarrassing night for the Vancouver Canucks where they lose 5-1 on home ice, and he didn't mince words and said with the way this team is going, maybe they will end up in a full rebuild. But he said it, people don't realize how long those things take, and they'd rather do it on the fly. But he said maybe changes will have to come sooner rather than later. Yeah, uh, now... Also cited the difficulties of uh, the cap world and that this isn't fantasy hockey. Contracts in play and teams have their own budgets and what they can, what parameters they can deal with. And, you know, for other teams, not enough money kind of scales down five, six, seven games into the season that can open up space financially for you to try to take on contracts. But, but we've said this that. It's like you just have to stare this difficult fa phase in the face. Yeah. And wait for the opportunity that presents itself. That's difficult to listen to, and there might be more nights like tonight unless the players work themselves out of it. But for for everyone inside the Canucks organization, it might just be take your medicine. 
yeah. just just deal with this. Yeah. In, in, in the face of the fire and live through this. You might I mean you don't have many choices but to get get through this. I'm I'm astonished at how the patients ran out so quickly. And I know you're, mm-hmm. you know, 0 and 6 on the season, I understand. Fans have a right to be upset, and I'm not saying you don't. It's just patience is done. And it's and, the first game of the season and, on home and, ice. And there's some people texting in um, that are rallying behind the team. Everyone gets a fan their own way, and someone texted in and said, "How about everyone just relax? It will work itself out." And I just kind of said, "Okay, well, what like what is working itself out mean to you?" And every every fan's got their own standard of what they expect to see. And this one was just uh, replying back, saying every game is so critiqued and analyzed, it's almost unenjoyable, treated as, as entertainment, and every, everything will work itself out. Look, if that's what your expectation is out of the team, then that's fine. A lot of people want wins. The paying the, the customers players, yeah. that showed up voiced displeasure in a massive way tonight. People always say don't pay attention to social media. People call into the shows or whatever. It's, it's, a, it's a small minority. It's the fans in the building that matter. The fans in the building spoke loudly tonight, very loudly tonight. All right, we heard from Jim Rutherford. We're going to keep hearing from you as well. Uh, we are going to get to Bruce Boudreaux coming up in a second, but, but as, as promised, we were going to get back to the phone board. So let's get one more call in here because I want, it, want the fans to get their voice a, a, after a game like this here tonight. Uh, let's go to John from Poco. John, uh, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us here tonight? Oh, hey, Satin, Rick. Uh... Well, yeah, I know I know it's early too, but I, I mean, I'm of the you know my opinion right now is I I just want to just write the season off and, and tank for Connor Bedard. I know people said, well, this team you know is further ahead than than Arizona or Chicago, but you know what? The way they're playing right now, and I mean, the last thing I want to see is this team start to right the ship, and then just this continual cycle of mediocrity. This team needs high draft picks to be competitive and I know it's different than when the Sedins were here and they didn't want to do that rebuild because they thought they owed it to them but I, I'm sorry in the genesis of where this team is right now yeah you've got Pedersen and Hughes and you've got the team friendly contract for Demko but if you if you have to suffer for a couple more years they just need more draft picks to be competitive you just have to look around the league at the teams that have had you know you, you know the the um uh, Pittsburghs, the Chicago's that have gotten high draft picks and have been competitive, make the playoffs year after year and go on long runs. This team, if they just continue this cycle of mediocrity, they're never. What's the point of making the just getting into the playoffs to get bounced in the first round? Yeah, I just want I just want them to 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 get more draft picks, build up their capital, and, and have a better team. Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks for the phone call. That is John from Poco calling in, wanting wholesale changes. And, hey, Connor Bedard. Bedard is coming home is what somebody else texted in. And, hey, we got the jokes. We can throw the jokes that I'm all here for. I think I've seen Bedard's name in the inbox more than I've seen Miller, Horvat, Besser. Well, shows you what the fans are thinking And, by the way, those guys are getting it a lot in the inbox. So, that just shows what kind of what people want. And, look, I I get it. I think that's kind of dangerous because you're going for 20% chances here, essentially. That's less than a coin flip proposition. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't think the fans are wrong to say like if if this is what we're seeing here, why should we see anything different? And and what is really this season? Uh, 
about Jim in Vancouver texting in, uh, talking about that Shannon Miller mm-hmm. exchange where Garland steps in. It's either poor leadership or this team, or there's division in the locker room. The soap opera continues. Reminds me of Messier and Linden era. And that stuff publicly, like, it's unconventional for hockey, I would say. That, that feels like a, a soccer thing, like Ronaldo walking off the pitch. Where it's like <laughs> He left before the game was over. Kaiser, he changed, he's you know, gone. Traditionally, like, you wait to... It's not a long skate to get to the dressing room here. Yeah. You can do that thing in private. <laughs> That's on the ice. It is. Six games into the season. I know. And listen, and David Jones said it's not a bad thing necessarily, but no. you do it behind sure. closed doors, not in front of other people. And I've been saying, hey, maybe that needs to happen more with this group. And maybe Miller needs to be held accountable more with the group. So good on Luke Shen if that's what he was doing. And I like seeing that. But, you know, David Jones is his point, former player. You don't do it in front of everybody else on the ice. But that kind of shows you where things are at. Uh, A lot of texts coming in. Brent and Van says, I was at the game in Boot Sweet Caroline. Terrible song, but the team is worse. Um, (laughs) uh, Jazzy says, other teams will mainly want PD, Hughes, put Coles in or Demko. I don't know what the others will fetch. And Jazzy nails it. You mentioned it, Bick. The guys that have value, you don't want to trade. And the guys you want to trade are hard to trade. So you're kind of caught in a tough spot, and you kind of have to eat it at this moment. And that's not an easy thing for the organization to do. Uh, keep getting your thoughts into our text inbox. Phone boards are open, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. We're going to hear from Bruce Boudreaux on the other side. And Kevin Woodley's going to join us instead of Ian McIntyre later on in the evening for the final segment. A lot coming up. Satyar Shah, Bick Nazar, Canucks lose 5-1 against the Buffalo Sabres, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Back to more Canucks Central Post Game Show coverage. This is where you talk Canucks on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. It's the worst feeling. I think we first appears with it good. I mean, we're down by one goal, and yeah, I don't know. They, they were the better. We were the better team for two periods, and then at the last period, they, they shut us down. Canucks center Elias Patterson after a 5 1 defeat on home ice, the home opener for the Canucks. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. We are going to get to some audio from head coach Bruce Boudreaux. And listen, uh, we we put it up for a vote on the text inbox. Do you want to hear from players post game tonight? Mm-hmm. Overwhelmingly, the response was no. So we're not going to play a lot of post game player audio. I'm making an executive decision here. I know people that said no are going to be upset. We are going to play the Connor Garland audio coming up. It's a bit shorter. It's two minutes. Bear, hold on a Look second. Look at Sat retooling the postgame show on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> Can't we commit to a rebuild? All right. Give the people gonna, what they want. I know, that. but listen. Listen, tonight... Fans voiced their displeasure. Connor Garland was directly asked about the fan displeasure. We're doing our jobs as well. We're supposed to report and, and give you the pertinent information. I get it. And I wouldn't be doing my job if I acquiesced to your request this one time, okay? so You're trading a handful of texts. Uh, what I'm saying is I know better in this situation. That's essentially what I'm saying, okay? For win now audio. <laughs> You're trading a couple of texts. 
I traded some futures to play this Connor Garland audio. Man, I can do this all night. <laughs> all right. We'll play the Connor Garland audio coming up in a second. But first, we are going to head from hear from head coach Bruce Boudreaux uh, after a tough defeat. And here is Boudreaux talking about how he was disappointed about what he saw in the third period. Well, my thoughts are what everybody else is thinking, too. I mean, I just don't, I don't get how a team that hasn't won a game and uh, you have a really good second period and aren't excited about coming out in the third and doing the same thing as you did in the second and just look like there was very little effort. I'm seeing it and you're seeing it. How frustrating is that from your vantage? Well, it's... <laughs> It's of course it's really frustrating. You you want to win the game. You want to play for 60 minutes. And uh, I thought this was a game that would end up 3-2 for us. But uh, I mean, uh, I was. And then you get the break on the the goal that doesn't go in or doesn't get counted, and you'd think that okay, there's going to be some jump now. We just got our um, our life handed back to us, and then all of a sudden you go out and they score 30 seconds later. I mean, I don't know. I'm pretty frustrated right now. So 3-1, Bruce, it, it looked like there wasn't much. I mean, some might look at it and say it looked like they quit at 3-1. How, how do you see what happened? Well, I, I, I never like to use that word. It just looked like they said, oh, there's no way we can catch up type thing and because uh, they haven't had success yet. I mean, I'd, I would like to think that there wasn't anybody that was saying there, oh, I don't care what happens now, I quit. I just can't, I'll never accept that in my mind. But, I mean, uh, it certainly, like, when you want two men to forecheck because you need a goal and only one man's going in, or and, I mean, they know exactly what they're supposed to do on a few of the goals and our D zone and not doing it at all, that's, that's just really frustrating. You're used to hearing Bruce, there it is. What was it like to hear the booze and the jersey throwing on the ice this early? Well, that's the first time I've ever been involved with that, and, and, and obviously I, I hope uh, the players feel the same way I feel about it. It's just totally embarrassing, and uh, um, just, you know, it's uh, it's something you never want to see, and I've seen it happen in other arenas and everything and, and never thought it would happen here or on a team that I'm coaching, And but I, if I was the fans, I would have been frustrated too because they're watching what we're watching. Would you tell the players after a game like this? I told them to look in a mirror and uh, uh, you know usually if if we're not successful in the game I don't come in but I went in yet today and and said that you know is totally unacceptable as a professional athlete and that they you just yeah you know instead of looking at the other guy look at yourself I said I'm looking at myself seeing what I'm doing wrong all the coaches are looking at themselves here we're not blaming any of the other coaches so, I mean, the players should be doing the same thing and, and looking in the mirror and saying this is just isn't good enough. Where do, you, where do you go from here, Bruce? I mean, you've been able to reach these guys at various points on different levels, but this is a different animal. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, well, we get back on the ice tomorrow and uh, uh, hoping that something clicks in. I mean, it's, uh, uh, if, if you're going to give up after game six then then you're not worth having anyway so i mean it's uh i think every team in our division lost today so i mean it's uh uh it's not fun but i mean uh it, it my job is to help us find a way out of this and so i'll be doing whatever i can to to see if 
what I can do to get this thing turned around. I mean, their job should be individually, what can I do to turn this thing around? And hopefully uh, uh, in the next two days we can we can do something about it. I mean, that's the way I'd feel if they boot us off the ice like this and we had a game in two days. I would hope to think that, that uh, our pride kicks in and then we come out, you know, with a vengeance type thing. It seemed like the Pedersen line was creating some chances, but having trouble with the finishing. Is it just a matter of getting bounces, or does Pedersen need some better finishers on his line? Well, I mean, I think they we had six chances in the first period. That line had all six. And I think in the in the second period, both Kuzmenko and Pod Colson had open nets. Might have made a difference in the game. But uh, uh, Petey's one of the guys that works his ass off every day. And uh, he's not getting rewarded for it. So we'll see w- what we have to do. Bruce, are you getting enough five-on-five five when Patterson's not on the ice at the moment? Well, I mean, you're, you're watching that. You know know the answers. We're not getting enough. We're not, you know, I mean, uh, uh, we've got no five-on-five five goals again tonight. Um, and, uh, you know, other than Petey, I'm thinking Almon might be the, right now, our second-best player. What can you tell us about what kept He's got a, a lower body injury. With Rathbone stepping in for his first game, were you at least happy with how he came out and kind of played his game? Yeah, I mean, he did what he could. Like, I mean, a lot of the defensemen that were in there were working their, you know, uh, the young guys anyway, doing what they could to uh, to help stem the tide. You know, but I mean, it's our veterans that got to... They're, they're the ones... the. The leaders have got to take this and say, okay, enough's enough. And if they don't do it, then then it's a long year. Do you have a timeline on Hughes? No, no timeline. It's day-to-day. You know, it's it's not a long-term thing. Do you feel the streak is just getting to the guys, breaking their confidence? I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, every morning I get up, I think we're going to win. So, I mean, uh, I don't know what goes on in their, in their head. And... Uh, uh, what their thought process is. So, I mean, uh, but uh, I know they want to win. They're just not doing the right things to go about and do it. Did you get concerned by the effort level in that third? Does it concern Yeah, you? that's the, the whole thing that concerned me was the effort level, and that's what I was talking about. I mean, it wasn't good enough. And so, I mean, that's, you know, and, and a lot of our third periods have been like that early on, so I don't get it. That is Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreaux after a 5-1 loss on home ice against the Buffalo Sabres to open up the season in front of the home fans. And he mentioned, well, uh, the players shouldn't be happy with what they saw, and they should be taking it personally, seeing the way the fans reacted, booing and throwing jerseys on the ice there tonight. And, I mean, as far as effort, he said it wasn't good enough. He was very disappointed with how flat they were in the third when they knew they needed a big period after the second. And he said outside of Petey, the only other player going tonight up front was Niels Allman. And that, that's saying something. When the coach is saying your first-line center and your fourth-line center were the only two good players tonight. Uh, 6.50, Caleb from Coquitlam. Uh, hey, guys, just want to look back at last season. I know we were good under Boudreaux, but how many games did Demko steal for us? We saw a small sample size of the defensive deficiencies this team when the goalie has an off game, and the team had no response. And now we're seeing the exact same thing, and the team has nothing to show for it. Management should have been more urgent to shore up the defense this offseason, even if that involved dealing a core piece away to make it happen. We'll talk to Kevin Woodley again, who's going to join us uh, in the last bit of the postgame show 
on that, what last season, I, I know the goals against, the raw totals were very nice, but the overall expected goals certainly were not uh, favorable to the Vancouver Canucks last season. So that's something we can touch on with Woodley uh, coming up here in just a bit. But also, uh, this one unsigned, my thoughts on the Canucks. The team just isn't good enough, and it never was. Yeah. What has this group achieved in the last four years? One season overachieving in the bubble, the rest of the time missing the playoffs. This roster is not close to good enough to compete in this league. I didn't expect this group to make the playoffs, and it doesn't look like they view themselves as a playoff team either. And uh, one last text coming in here. When the coach keeps saying, I don't know, it's never a good sign. No, when you run out of answers, it's not a good one. And that's kind of where these guys are at now. And, I mean – uh, I mean, uh, Kelly in, in Maple Ridge never thought the Canucks would have more losses and in less games than the BC Lions on October 22nd. It's ridiculous. Good fact. Yeah, it's a good fact. It's a good one from uh, Kelly in Maple Ridge uh, coming in. Uh, all right. Uh, a lot of people texting in to, uh, about the player audio. And, hey, we, we put the vote up. We said if you vote for no player audio, we won't play player audio. We have lots of player audio tonight. We choose not to play most of it. But like I said, we well, got to play the, the Connor Garland audio. The, the fans audio. and the listeners chose. Yeah, the fans and listeners chose. The, and and okay, we we won't do a lot of the audio. We got to do some of the audio. I just worry that sad we're going to run out of time if we uh, <laughs> play player audio. Like run out of time of of people's texts. Do, do you have enough information? Oh, I got plenty. I got plenty of texts <laughs> coming in. All right, listen, I get it, but the Connor Garland audio is a bit shorter, and I see your joke, Aichi, in Toronto, saying, "Is there a coincidence that Garland's audio is is, is shorter?" I get it. I get the jokes. Jokes for 60, they're allowed here on the mm-hmm. post-game show. But the reason we're going to play the Gar- Garland audio, and it's not very long, is because he does directly address the tenor in the building here tonight. Uh, here is Carner Garland after a tough loss. It just wasn't wasn't good enough at all, again. So, um, you know, we knew what they were going to do, how fast they can play. Um, just, uh, you know, just couldn't, uh, couldn't get the second one early in the third, and then that third one was a killer, just chased the whole period. Frustration, exasperation. Like how would you describe the feelings right now? Um. Yeah. Fr- frustrated. Obviously. Um. You know. Tonight's embarrassing. You know. For us as a group. Um. It's just we have to be so much better. And. Uh, you know. It's just. It's. It's tough right now. So obviously. <clears throat> we have to come back to the rink tomorrow and work. You know. That's all we gotta do. Is the only way we can get out of his work. You had some chances in the first two periods, but really didn't seem to generate anything in the third. Are you surprised given what's been going on and you had the you were trailing going in? Well, I thought we actually did have a couple in the third. Um, <clears throat> we got some pucks in the net. Um, just kind of couldn't couldn't find uh, to get you know that that second one. One hit me in the leg. It just bounced you know to the left, and you know Mick was coming. Just we were just second light really in the third the whole time. Just trying to generate stuff. Um, you know, had a couple in the second that you'd like to have back and, and, and convert on to, to tie that game up. So just, uh, it just sucks. What's the fan reaction? It's only game six to, to hear that. How disappointing was it? Well, uh, you know, we're not disappointed in them. That's, that's, that's a fair reaction. They're winning a hockey game yet. So, um, but, you know, we're, we're, we're working. We just have to be a lot better. I mean, we just, we have to put a full, full game together. Um, you know, got one of the best teams in the, in the league coming in next couple of days here, we gotta be ready. Just you know, we gotta win a hockey game. I mean, we're confident, confident in this group. We got a really good hockey team. We just need to win games and, and, and get going here. It's just it's 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 been tough. How hard is it to maintain that confidence during a stretch like this? Oh, it's, you know, it's tough, but you just have to work. So you know, like I said, it's the only way you get out of this stuff. You work and uh, 
know, it's, I mean, we're just we're just not good enough right now to win win in this league. Exactly. Getting a, at least a goal from the second unit is it kind of a proof of concept for that unit coming together. In the... uh, I don't know. I don't know. We didn't really think about it. We just go out and try to help the team win, and you know, we had a couple. We had another chance, uh, and the third we didn't convert on. So, uh, you know, when it matters, uh, so it's just uh, it's tough all around. That is Connor Garland after the game. And as, like somebody texted in, don't play any more player talk anymore. And that's the end of the player audio here uh, on the postgame show. And But Connor Garland says that was a fair reaction from the fans. There, there's been no pushing back, and there shouldn't be with, with how they responded tonight. And, and look, there's people texting in. Mad at us, by the way. That <laughs> that's fine. Or we're, we're having too much fun at this. What? Look, <laughs> hey, listen, we I want to have laughs in the post game show. That's not, we got like seventy seven more of these to go after this. I'm gonna I want to laugh when I can. All right. We did not uh, <laughs> convince eighteen thousand eight hundred nine people to openly boo the team no. on the home opener. Trace. So yeah, we're talking about what happened tonight. If we're trying to bring some levity to your evening, we're going to do that as well. But yeah, it, it, there's an honest. Answer for me from 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 Connor Garland, and it's 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 hostile right now. And Connor Garland says it's fair, because you know why they haven't won a game. They have not won a game yet. No, they have not. No, they haven't. They'll try again against a contender, I would say, in Carolina on Monday. But if you don't, if you don't win a game to satisfy the fans, and and also that third period, it's listless. Completely. I mean, it, that, that's what Boudreaux was getting at, with with how disappointed he was with what he saw in the third period. Uh, this text here from Jake and East Van. Can we talk about accountability? Where is our captain? Where is JT? Why do we only get Garland? Where is Bo? So the uh, audio from the game post game. There was Elias Pettersson who spoke. There was Connor Garland who spoke. I have not seen yet audio from Bo Horvat. Bo spoke the last two games, if I'm not mistaken. It was JT Miller. That also spoke. So, oh, okay. again, the audio, if you want to listen to it, people people voted. It's there. You can go and find it, and we can play it on the radio station as we go. We don't have a ton of time left anyways. We want to get to more of your reaction. We have Kevin Woodley coming up. We played uh, Jim Rutherford. We played Bruce Boudreaux and Connor Garland's audio here. So, just for those wondering, those are the players that spoke post game. Uh, Tracy in Lone Butte says, Garland audio is a joke. Uh, please don't play the talk anymore. There's more coming in. But as far as accountability, too, If, the, if we don't see accountability after what we saw tonight here, Bick, this team is incapable of having it. So what does accountability look like? Because I, I thought the other night, like, JT Miller uh, was a game two where he's talking about, like, I'm not going to talk about the team. I'm not playing well right now. And he took it upon himself. Now, we haven't seen JT translate that into better performances or productive point-producing games. But I, I feel like just at, at this stage, accountability is a buzzword without actual W's. Yeah. Because I, I, I think the players are annoyed too. Now we'd like to see it go towards committed 60-minute efforts. I still believe that these guys are professionals and they're not exactly having a good time right now in the locker room or when they go home tonight and getting ready for the next game tomorrow. So it, it just comes down to, like, it's nice to have the accountability, but at the end of the day, they're just words. Yeah. The, they're uh, just words, and it well, has to translate into actions on the ice. For me, the accountability is not about what you say. It's about how you react on the ice. Mm-hmm. 
and your how he habits get better. I mean, JT talks a good talk, but I mean his efforts tonight left a lot to be desired. And if he's injured, someone should say something, because the way he's playing right now, the effort's not good enough. And hey, I've defended JT's play and stuff like that. We talked about the breakdowns, how many are really on him and whatever. The only line going tonight was the Pedersen line. It's it's it was pretty embarrassing from the other guys, and, especially and they really in that third period. To one. Yeah, well they can't right now. They can't. They can't. Uh, all right, uh, we'll get to more of your reaction on the text inbox as the show goes on here. Let's go back to the phone board. 604-280-0650, your toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Uh, let's go to Jeremy from Vancouver. Jeremy, what's going on? What do you have for us tonight? Uh, well, it's been a rough start for the Canucks, for sure. Um, 0-4-2 record, not looking so great. As uh, You know, we came into this season, you got our star players, Horvat. You know, Pedersen making all these, like, Instagram posts and making all these statements, right, about how, you know, we've got unfinished business, right? We're here to settle something, to show what the Canucks are really made of. But we start off the season 0-4-2. Definitely not a statement that we're trying to make right now. Um, and honestly, I don't know how the rest of the season is going to go. Um, I think we need to play real good hockey. Uh, it, it seems that we're playing only, like, 30 minutes of the full 60 feels like we got our players, our star players. Like we got, who else? we got Miller, we got uh, Besser Horvat. The only person I've seen on the ice today really that stood out is like Pedersen, Demko. They're playing the full 60 from what I've seen. Pedersen got some good looks here and there. Demko's making all the saves he needs to make, but the team just can't hold it yeah. together for season. I have no idea what's happening. It feels like some sort of curse. Yeah, hey, yeah, Jeremy, hey, thanks for the phone call there, uh, trailing off there in the end. But, I mean, they're not getting any saves right now either. They're not really generating much of anything um, outside of the one Pedersen line. I mean, the, the special teams are a disaster. If you're looking at tangible things to point to, the best thing you could point to was some of the five-on-five play. Well, that's been the story of the season. You can point to a period here, a period there, 20 minutes here, 30 minutes there of good five-on-five play or some you know decent process. But special teams have been a complete disaster all season. Critical moments, they've been falling apart. We've seen it, losing leads. And the goaltending has yet to find itself either. I mean, so if you're looking for like tangible positives or things you can, you know, grasp and hold on to, there really isn't a lot. Unsigned text here. Funny thing is, we saw these tendencies in the preseason. Yeah. And people kept saying it's preseason. Hey, I was one of those people. I'd also say, uh, you know, come game one, I'd be there with you. But and, and it's translated. But the same people that lacked effort in the preseason are the same ones underperforming. And look, Jim Rutherford talked about it when he met with uh, Scott Oak there on After Hours. Talking about the training camp was poor. Mm-hmm. Training camp, poor. Again, another easy win for the organization to come into the season prepared and ready. And six games in, the president of the organization is talking about that training camp was poor. Mm-hmm. We've no. gone, we've, go back to last season. We talked about practice habits not being up to a certain standard. Can't get ready for training camp? What was happening in the summer? Hey, we mentioned that... The preseason performances, this group hadn't established enough trust to for us to overlook those performances, and you see the start of the season showing why. All right, we'll continue the post-game show here on Sportsnet 650. It is Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. More of your thoughts, plus Kevin Woodley on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the Canucks Central post-game show. Bringing you the most Canucks coverage in B.C. Only on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. 
the end of the second period, it looked like there was an interaction between you and Luke Shen. Uh, what, was, what was that about? No offense, it's none of your business. JT Miller postgame. That is when he was asked whether that interaction between him and teammate Luke Shen walk, uh, skating off the ice after the second period where it looked like Luke Shen was directing towards an area where Miller had just turned the puck over before the period had come to an end. A scrum had ensued, a chance had developed for the Sabres. Carter Garland skates between them. It wasn't a huge thing if you see the video no. of it, but there's enough of a back and forth for you to kind of wonder, okay, what was said in that instance? And adding at least more, that was some fire. Yeah, and, but at least adding a, more, a bit more fuel to it, you know, he said none of your business, which means there's probably something there. Good. So, yeah, but good. 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 Like I said, good. Call each other out. They still care. Well, uh, I mean, not yeah. in the third. I don't know of how many of them cared in the third. No. Uh, I'm sure they do care, but their play didn't show it. And I think that's the – whether that's just, like, mentally or just how you feel or whatever it is. I mean, if they're professional athletes. They care, of course. You don't get here unless you care about what you do. You take pride in your in, in your profession and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's, it's unfair to say sometimes they don't care. But they're kind of in paralysis right now with how they're playing. Great Maybe that's a better way of putting yeah. it. So, just, you know. Just mentally stuck. Yeah. And until that fog clears of just looking at a one in the win column, I think we're going to get sniping moments like we saw. you got to win. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. A, a lot of reaction in the text inbox. Jay and Poco, the fan base has spent a decade mostly watching mediocrity. We deserve progress. I would rather watch this team blow up and tank for a town like Bedard than watch them try to fix this season. At least tanking is an identity. Uh, Lance in Mission, 35 years as a fan, Alvin and Rutherford need to step up and earn their paychecks and live up to their reputations. Hashtag make a trade. Uh, it feels like Benning is behind all this. When will this nightmare be over is another text. So a lot. And this one I want to get in, and let's talk about this before you read some more text here, Bick. Besser, my God, he's very inf ineffective, overpaid, not doing much. Haven't seen much of anything from Brock Besser this season yet. Uh, 650-650, I get that a rebuild is looking enticing. Again, we're trying to provide all the perspectives that are coming in the inbox here. Uh, I get that a rebuild is looking enticing, but do Canucks fans know what that entails? Multiple years of the United Center or Mellon Arena being at half capacity or less. Terrible on-ice product for years before a playoff team can be established if your draft picks hit. Chicago took six years, Penguins took five years, Capitals took six years, and that's from the year they drafted their stars. No shot this fan base handles that timeline considering the mess of the last seven years. So some people that uh, texting in that continue want to see progress. And, and to be honest, I, I, I want to see progress because I still think Thatcher Demko is a star-level player, goalie in this league. Elias Pettersson was fantastic tonight. He was their best player and, tonight. And just didn't get rewards for it. And he created opportunities. I mean, if you talk about setting up your teammates, there should have been two goals scored because of setups At that he least. created. Yeah. So, I mean, the, he had the chances. I have no issues with Pedersen's game tonight. That line, what else can you ask for? I mean, they were going. They tried hard the entire game. They were laying out, doing everything they could. I can't say the same about everybody else. That's not to say that they don't care, again, but they didn't have the same level of desperation in their game tonight. And, you know, that's that's 
big a big part of the disappointment. All right, we have time to get one more phone call in. We'll get some more of your text messages, and we are going to get uh, Kevin Woodley joining us here coming up in a, in a few minutes. Uh, so let's go to Gord from Coquitlam. Gord, uh, thanks for calling in and holding on to your line, man. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? No problem, guys. You guys always do a great job. Tough evening. I was there. I, I will make one comment about the Sweet Caroline song. I was there, and when it came on, I personally didn't appreciate it. Mm-hmm. That's not what we want to hear, and mm-hmm. but that's not why I, I, I called in. What I will say is, you know, at least the Canucks are consistent by losing. That's one thing we can give them because we're consistent in our plan to tank to get Connor Bedard. And if we can't get him to rebuild this organization, the other option that Vancouver can do, which will be faster, right, which would speed up the rebuild, is have the Aquilinis move the Canucks to another city like Portland, and then we go and acquire and become a new expansion team. We would, be, we would cut the rebuild by three to four years if we did that. That is the route to go. Go as an expansion team in Vancouver. Hey, Gord, thanks for the phone call. Hey, you know what? I'm all for out-of-the-box thinking. Forget a rebuild. Get an expansion team. Sell the team and relocate it and bring a fresh new franchise to Vancouver. I guess, hey, listen, we've run out of all your other options. We haven't heard that one before. <laughs> That's Hey, I'll give Gord credit. That was a new one. Uh, love your last caller. Tank Nation Alive, 650-650. Uh, uh, Malcolm texting in. Do we know how long a rebuild takes? Well, I can tell you the path we're on leads nowhere. Forever. Yeah. yeah I mean... Uh, Dino's texted in a few times today. Mentioned the fourth line. They spent their time in the attacking zone. That's what they're supposed to do. Nils Omen, Curtis Lazar, Josh, Joshua, Dakota Joshua looked good. So, we've mentioned the fourth line. Bruce Brudrow mentioned the fourth line yeah, as well. They have moments, Nils Omen was the second best player tonight. Omen, maybe. I'm not sure about some of the other guys on, on the fourth line. But, yes, I mean, Lazar was working hard. Sure. Uh, literally, the next text is, why was the fourth line so overplayed? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and and as far as a rebuild goes, somebody else texted in and said these guys, you know, Pedersen, Hughes, and Demko, they will not want to have any part of a rebuild. Demko's under contract for four more years. Hughes under contract, well, I guess three more years beyond this, and Hughes for four more years beyond this. And you have control of Elias Pedersen as well. At some point, you got to show these guys you can win here as well. But I mean, you can't just keep doubling down on a roster that's going nowhere. And I know this organization, Rutherford himself mentioned it. They wanted to do more than they were able to as far as trimming away from the roster. Hey, you're not going to be able to do a full-on rebuild and clear everything out. That's just not going to happen. There are a couple of guys who can move off of this team. But the longer you delay clearing money from this group, the longer it's going to take for you to get better. And I know people are frustrated with this management team, but I don't think they have a desire, honestly, to prolong this by betting on this core. And if they had their way, they would move some guys out. Demko, Hughes, Pedersen are the three untouchables really right now. And then everything else is pretty much on the table. Look, even if you came into this season with the idea of we are going to blow the core up, right? I'm not saying that's what they planned, but let's just talk for a moment that this was the idea that Besser, Garland, Horvat. Pearson, on and on and on down the list. Outside of those three players, we're going to be shopped. Do you think they thought they would start no wins in six? Do you think that, that maybe they they'll just play 500 till December Listen, or January? It, it's, 
they can't even hit that bar right now. That's why it's easy, for, you know, for for us or anybody at grandstand to be like, trade this guy, trade that guy. You guys aren't making any moves, yada yada. But you're pissing in the wind. There's, so, there's nothing you can do right now. So Your players are playing want, like crap. Yeah, even if they wanted to do that, they can't do it. It's unbelievable that it's winless in six. They're stuck. The only thing they can do is try to get out of it for now. That's all they can do. The only If they can't get out of it, all they can do is wait as close to the deadline as possible and hope they can move some guys out by then because the salaries are lower, teams are looking, and maybe you can get something done at that point. But unless you start winning hockey games or unless you have some success, you have no options. Your players are even less valuable right now. Joel texting in, what are your guys' thoughts on this team? I know it's a weekend, but this core doesn't seem to have the killer drive. Two big things for me was... Competitiveness and consistency coming into this season. Yeah. Can you show a level of competitiveness, and can you be consistent with your efforts? Those two went completely unchecked six games in the season. Yeah. And it's again, it's only six games in the season, but they wanted to be judged on the start of the season. They wanted to be judged on trying to make the playoffs. And the bar that they have to get to, I was trying to do some math uh, earlier today, Sat. Had to break out the calculator because my own math can't be trusted. <laughs> but you, you know the, the stat we talk about all the time? Be within four points of a playoff spot come American Thanksgiving? Mm-hmm. You do the math on that. The number you're, you're trying to get to is basically 25 points. Yeah. Most teams traditionally play about 22 games by that stretch, and you're looking for 25 points. Well, the Canucks have two right now, and they're going to play 20 games by American Thanksgiving. So they have quick maths here, 15, 16 games to go till then. Yeah. To get, you basically got to go 10 wins yeah. in 15 games. Yeah, and the way they're going, I mean, maybe you get some 14 bounce. Games. Sorry, 14 games. Game six, yes, yeah, so 10 and 4. So you got to go. So I, I broke out some of these. You're exactly right about this. And the numbers, if you're below that mark, that's like 99% chance you're not making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's just the, the history of the league here. I broke out some numbers similar to where you have to be at the 20-game mark. If you're not at 500 at the 20-game mark, you can pretty much kiss a playoff chance goodbye. Last year, the Canucks at the 20-game mark were 6, 12, and 2. Six points under 500. They went on the magical run. You know what they missed the playoffs by? Six points. Six points. They were six points under 500 by the 20-game mark, missed the playoffs by six points. You can't be under 500 at the 20-game mark and realistically have a chance to make the postseason. And it doesn't say the Canucks can't do it. I mean, hey, we've seen things happen. You can get there. But it's hard to have confidence in this group that's sitting here 0-4-2 on the season that all of a sudden they're going to find a way to win 10 of their next 14 games. So that's that. I mean, is it impossible? You can have hope and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of hope in Canucks Nation right now. But that's what they're faced with. You know, and that's why the season is pretty much on the line in the first 20 games. And that's the situation you wanted to avoid, like last year. Last year, the season was on the line in the first 25. They lost it. They tried like heck to get it back, and it, ultimately it wasn't enough to get in. This year, you're in a spot again where your season is going to be determined before we even get to December. And by the way, uh, part of the games prior to American Thanksgiving, another five-game road trip. Yeah, you're gonna play Carolina Monday. Go to Seattle, come back, play Pittsburgh, Jersey, Anaheim, Nashville, all at home, and then it's at Ottawa, at Montreal, at Toronto, at Boston, at Buffalo. LA's in there, and prior to American Thanksgiving, you're gonna play Vegas and you're gonna play Stanley Cup champions Colorado Avalanche. 
That's what the schedule looks like prior to American Thanksgiving. Yeah, your 20th game of the season is against the Avalanche on the road. And if you're in a situation where, let's say, hey, you can be a couple points under 500 and give yourself a chance. If you're two games under 500 and you got to face that team, you might be in the same position as last year where you're six points under 500 and, and all of a sudden. you can't just do the thing of, oh, it's a long season when we know, we know unequivocally American Thanksgiving is a great marker to understand who's going to the playoffs and not. And we're not even saying being a playoff spot. We're saying be 500 by then to give yourself a chance. Four points out. Yeah. And they got to get try to get to 22, the, 21 points just to be within a shout. That's a bare minimum hope position to be in. All right, let's bring in Kevin Woodley into the discussion here for the final segment of the post-game show 5-1. And honestly, Kevin, like we try to joke around a little bit, but what do you even say about the vibe in the building tonight for a home opener? Could you believe what you saw tonight? No, although I will say that I, I like I'm a positive guy. I'm going to yeah. focus on the positive. So are we. <laughs> and the fact that they booed Sweet Caroline. <laughs> we can't and get over that. Maybe <laughs> we won't have to hear it again because yeah. I'm not in Boston and it's not the freaking Red Sox. I think that is the positive to which we should all gleam tonight. That and the fact that Bick <laughs> is sitting crisscross applesauce in an in an office chair when I walked in here. How do you even do it? Like. I, I probably so that's should have been like, a goalie like, in another life. I'm very like flexible. The, forget the three jerseys on the ice. I was shocked by the booing of Sweet Caroline. <laughs> and I don't know how the hell he does this. Like, I'm – so, yeah, like – He's just like Buddha. I'm totally yeah. shocked here. Very so flexible. The hockey game I'd rather not talk about. <laughs> um, but there's not – honestly, like, there's not a lot to break down when you don't show up for the third period. And it, It's kind of the same. Like, like – they were good for stretches. Yeah. They have these moments, and in these moments, they're just giving up grade A. Like, they get off the hook. Hinnestroza's left wide open in the slot on a low-high pass that leaves your goaltender hung out to dry, goes post, post, and out. You get that break, and you give up a two-on-one less mm-hmm. than 30 seconds later? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, I understand, hey, you're down a goal, and you need to press for offense, but, like, Man, you just got the biggest break in the world, and you give up a two-on-one, mm-hmm. and then you give up the pass on the two-on-one. Like somebody's got to get on the same page in terms of what they're trying to take away yeah. on odd man rushes. First of all, and we've talked about this before, like rush chances are how you score in the National Hockey League. They ain't generating a lot right. on the other end, and they're giving up a ton in theirs. And when they do it, like if you're going to continuously give up that pass then Thatcher has to start taking less ice because he's out past the blue. He's got a long way to travel on that. He almost gets there. Mm-hmm. But the fact that beats him along the ice on a hell of a one-timer, like got rid of it quick, didn't have to catch him. You know, like there was no catch and release there. Like good one T, middle stat put him in a good spot. But like to me, that's a that's a – I'm not blaming Demko. I'm just yeah. saying like if your team can't take away the pass, like if they're – like and that's not the first time. Like normally no, it's yeah. I got the shooter – you take away the pass. If they ain't taking away the pass, he's going to start have to start taking less dice because that gives him too big a distance to travel on those. Yeah. And I'm that that's the worrisome thing to me. I'm at the point now where as a goaltender, I know what they're supposed to do. I want to trust my system. But when it starts to not get executed over and over again in front of you, then you start to do things like cheat on it. And that's when this snowball will get rolling downhill even worse. Well, the thing that I just – 
I'm so confused by what they're trying to do offensively sometimes with the rotations, for instance. Like, even Burroughs, the, the, the two-on-one happens, and it's funny because we we're during the intermission, we we're talking about Burroughs and how he's played, and he's caught in no-man's land, and he doesn't even get the puck. He's trying to cheat down, but the puck's not even going to him. Next thing you know, the puck's going the other way. I'm not quite sure what he's trying to do there in that spot, especially when you don't have the puck and you don't have clear possession of it. Then defensively, it seems like they're trying to play a man-to-man. And they're getting lost all the time defensively, which you see teams play zone more defensively. So I do wonder, structurally, are you trying to do something that's more difficult to do? But to your point, we're having a hard time figuring out what they're trying to do. They're not executing it well. The goalie's not going to trust it. It's a recipe for disaster. Well, and, and like I said, like it's kind of hard to focus on posit- positives right now other than Sweet Caroline. Um, and I'm sticking with that, by the way, folks. So anybody that thinks that's a great thing at Canucks home games, like... What do you guys call it? Don't at me. Like, yeah, yeah. But thanks for listening. For the for, for the most part, like it's not terrible start to finish, right? Yeah. Like defensively, what they're giving. Well, up, forty minutes it wasn't bad. It's just these moments, and when you're right, like whether it's a miscommunication or guys aren't on the same page, when these moments come, it is great. A plus plus. And again, to get away with the first one on Hinnestrosa yeah. and then give up another one 30 seconds later. like, And uh, Victor Olsen said it after. We took over after that. Uh, and that was maybe, you know, Boudreaux talked about a little bit post-game from what I understand, seeing the quotes. I had to go to the Sabres room now with the new setup here at the building. Yeah, you cannot disaster, be yeah. in both rooms. Um, so swapped quotes with uh, Gemma Carson-Smith from uh, the Canadian Press. And I was just reading Bruce's quotes, but it sounds like, like he felt like maybe they gave up on it a little bit, and, and yeah. Buffalo felt like they took right over after yeah. that. And you know, hey, listen, the other part here, as much as we w- we're ready to just rip the home team, can we just take a moment, take a breath, and Rasmus Dahlin? Oh, He's pretty good. good hey? That move on the like, and that's the other. I feel for Demko because you give up the empty netter, then you get put in there, yeah. and you let him walk you and create that backdoor chance for Olsen for the final goal to like further crater your stats. But man, like, well, he should have had one earlier too on that pass to Paterka yeah. in the first oh, period. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent, wide open, phenomenal net. play, wide open net. He's it, it, unreal right now. Uh, Craig Anderson in the Sabres room post game compared him to uh, Eric Carlson in his mm. prime in terms of not said the way he played, but the confidence with which he's playing offensively. So from the flip side, yes, I did end up in the Sabres room, and there were some happier stories there. Hey, other moment that I was quite happy with, and people like. Nobody's really listening to me at this point anyways, right? Like, I'm just a shorter, less good-looking Ian McIntyre right now. Oh, you'd be surprised. But did you guys see Craig Anderson go Evgeny Nabokov on JT Miller and stand up on the sharp angle chance? Yes. I literally squealed in the press box when that (laughs) happened. And then I told Andy about it after the game, and he's like, I'm old, man. I had to go 80. I guess in the in the TV timeout, JT Miller skated up to him because it was Miller that he stopped, and he was just like, I guess I can't say what he said, but just like, what the? Yeah. Was that like totally shocked? I'm like pure old school in the Bokov. The only thing missing was like the, like the like really like fluffy white pillows that Navi used to wear. It was be- it was a thing of beauty. It's a thing of beauty. I I, I got to find positives here, guys. I do want to like go it. back to the the grade eight chances and and just like the fine margins because tonight the Sabers were surgical with theirs. And and they scored on a few, and the it just like it it just shows how how razor thin this can be because Manko buries a ch- if he does, you're you're missing your great A's, and then their capitalings on theirs, and it just it snowballs I'll, into so much bigger. I want to see what the numbers look like tomorrow morning. And it's one thing about clear sight, like they take overnight to like mm-hmm. they literally break down every chance. Like they've got video and lines between the puck shot and the post to see whether it's even yeah. a chance on net and things like that. So you don't get the numbers till the next morning. It's not live and on the go. Um, but a lot of times this season in games where 
it's felt back like they've created a lot. Right, because Mako's got a wide open net. Yeah, like, the numbers don't show it, but yeah, they've got to finish that. Um, the other one um, th- that jumps out to me a little bit was, uh, like, I mean, the power play again tonight. Like, how many, what, like two with no shots on it? We need a new name, not power play. Yeah. It's the power kill. Power kill. But, oh, no, but, well, that, but that that's actually a thing. Power but, death. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, it's, uh, what do you say? It's, I, it feels like, as hard as this is to say, Six games in and no wins. Like it doesn't feel like they're that far off. No, and and that's a frustrating part. But like what's happening is the season already is starting to slip. But oh. you're losing those critical moments. Yeah, and, right. And that's like, the pr- and and that's to your point. I mean, if you if you don't start getting results for that, that's when the hope starts to get lost. It starts snowballing completely. And hey, maybe that's what you need to make change. But again, if your team's playing like this, you can't move anybody. So listen and, and listen. Like no Quinn Hughes day to day lower body. Um, I mean, just look at where the pairings look like. Like, that's a major loss for this team. Massive. But let's not forget that the Sabres lost one of their top pair guys. During the game. During the game. And I thought the Canucks – like, I thought they had them on the ropes a little bit in the second period. The Sabres were starting to turn pucks over. They were – they looked like they were susceptible on the forecheck when they lost Samuelson. Like – that's sort of the same. Like, not, I'm not comparing Samuelson to Quinn Hughes. He's not the same player. But Samuelson has been a big part of what yeah. Rasmus Dahlin has done, and they lost him to an injury that not just you cost you his services, but looked really bad, the kind of injury that normally has a team sag afterwards. Yeah. And they were – Vancouver was able to sort of push the pace and generate momentum. And Craig Anderson, frankly, Don Granato said it um, – kept them in that game, like didn't allow that momentum to swing all the way with a couple of big saves. And he also told me, by the way, that he would have had a shutout if he'd stacked the pads on the one goal on Garland. <laughs> um, so, honestly, though, like, to not be able to maintain that momentum, like, the, the Sabres are a young team. They lose Samuelson, they come out of that locker room, and you kind of, you let them off the hook. Like, all the momentum you had in the second, you let a team that's still learning how to win mm. do a better job of executing than you did, and you're supposed to a team that's been cl- supposed to be closer to winning. It's it's not great. No, it's it's not. not great. You try to improve internally and not even focus on what's in front of you because they have to worry so much about themselves right now. But I can't imagine a worse opponent than Carolina coming in on Monday because they are relentless and they will pressure you all game. I will get. I will give you. I will. Go, I'm going to throw a caveat in there. On this one, because I, I agree with you, like I'm on like Carolina's a wagon, right? Like they have that ability. Did they end up winning in Calgary tonight? I, it was two uh, two going I'll, into I'll overtime. I'm trying to look up the lyrics to "Sweet Carolina" sing along, so I don't know. Uh, bah, they bah. booed during the bah, uh, bah, three bah, two bah. flames in overtime. Okay, there you go. So Carolina's coming in mad too because they've lost to Alberta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. But I will say this: for all that Carolina does, they don't. Do- they dominate by being relentless, as you said. But in a way that might actually work here, because what the Canucks are doing is they're not giving up anything, and then they're giving up grade A's. Carolina yeah. doesn't actually right. create grade A's. They just throw a bunch of crap in the net and try and win that. Yeah. And, yeah, that's still a problem if you're Vancouver, because A, you're not as good, and B, taking care of the front of the net continues to be – we talked about that in preseason, guys. What did we talk about? When, when, it, when people said, oh, it's just a preseason, I said two things that worry me. The number of odd man rushes and their inability to shut down things in front of their own net defensively, to box out, to move mm-hmm. bodies, to win battles for second pucks and second chances. And both of those things were on display. And I think the thing that scares me about Carolina is all the junk they throw at the net. 
If you can't do a better job in front of Demko, yikes, that could get ugly. Well, but in terms goal. of chances and quality and yeah. you know not doing anything for five minutes and then generating, like that's not how Carolina rolls. No. It might actually fit the way the Canucks are playing in some weird way better than what's happened these past couple. Well, the second goal against tonight is the one I worry about, like that type of play translating versus Carolina or OEL kind of trying to sh- shuffle past it over Jeff Skinner. Against Carolina, it's going to be bodies in front of you a lot to generate those random bounces, suddenly it's in the slot and, and Alex Tuck can score it, but now it's going to be Sebastian Ajo and Svechnikov and whoever uh, strolling in on Thatcher Demko. Well, and, and again, that's that goes back to the preseason, you know, and everybody that said it's just the preseason, those were the habits that we said, hey, yes, it is just the preseason, but if these things mm-hmm. don't improve, we're worried. And frankly, they haven't improved. No, they haven't. They really haven't. And uh, it's, it's hard to see the turnaround happening Unless you guys start getting a few breaks, it just seems like nothing's coming for this team right now either. And even if you get a few breaks, the hole they're digging themselves is the the big thing. And that was, you know, along the lines of, hey, it's only five games. As long as you're 500 at a 20 game mark, you give yourself a chance. They got to go 10 and four to be 500 now. Or no, they got to go. No, they got to go nine and five. I was told they're nine and five. They got to go nine and five to be 500 at the uh, 20 game mark. I'm dizzy because you got numbers going out yeah. here. You're supposed to be the uh, the analytics. It's clear sights. Guy. No, no, I just read, just, I, just read, read I read the charts that other people produce. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was a statistics major a long time ago, Sat. Hey, I forgot all that stuff. Hey, Kevin, uh, fantastic to have you on the show. And this brings us to the end of the post game show. We love your time. We appreciate the insight. And I can't wait to have you back on. Poor Manzi McIntyre. I didn't even get my own intro music like IMAC does. We got to come up with your intro music. It we'll definitely ain't Sweet Caroline, no, boys. <laughs> no, it's not. He's happy it's gone. All right, he's Kevin Woodley. Make sure to read his great work on NHL.com and in. Goal Magazine. He's Bick Nazar on the People's Show. I'm Satyar Shaw, back on Canuck Central and back for another game broadcast against the Carolina Hurricanes on Monday. For Cam Bear and Josh Elliott-Wolf, this has been a Canuck Central Post Game Show. Thanks for you to you for listening and being part of it. We appreciate every single one of you. Can't wait to be back at it again on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network.